Welcome to Kevin Harvick's Happy Hour, presented by NASCAR on Fox. I'm with Caitlin Vinci, Mamba Smith. Not sure how he got here, but he's here. <laughs> so, Already, a yeah. dig on Right off the bat. Right right we got to start at how it's going to be. I want everyone to know how this relationship is. That's right. Well, he didn't waste any time. I like it. But we're excited that you're here, and we want to make sure everyone follows us on X, Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, YouTube, anywhere you find your podcasts at Harvick Happy Pod. And you know what's funny? If anyone was following the Harvick Happy Pod account, it had three followers <laughs> before we announced. And so it would have been very obvious to put these pieces together. Yeah, if you were paying attention, it wasn't, paying attention. yeah, you yeah. could have kind of pieced it. It was not bad. Well, yeah. the, the good news is we were very enthusiastic about what we were getting ready to do. So That's this, right. this all happened in about, eh, let's just say two weeks. So <laughs> this all came together pretty quick. And, but I'm excited because of the fact that we get to jump in and dive in a little bit further into the race weekends as as we get on TV, you can only cover so much. I learned really quickly that you can't right. cover everything. So being able to dive in a little bit deeper into the weekend and explain some of the things that that have happened throughout the weekend to me is is fun. So just I agree. put your thinking cap on. That's right. It's going to be okay. Put the caps on. But yeah, so we're talking racing, but I know you want to have obviously guests joining you uh, throughout the course of the season too. And you've got quite the Rolodex, I would say, of people to pull from, right? We've had fun with this before. And uh, we we were we were interviewing The Rock this weekend on on the pre race show, and yeah. I was thinking back, and I'm like, oh man, who was the interview that we did? That the car had a hole in the floorboard, and we so we asked The Rock about his his first car, and he had a, he had a great story on on the pre race show, and I was thinking back, it was Michael Irvin. So Michael Irvin had this great story about his first car. I don't remember what kind of car it was. The main the main portion of the story that he told was his car had a hole in the floorboard and had rusted out. And he had taken what his soon would be his wife on on their first date, and her shoe fell oh, out of the floorboard. No. So that that's that, horrible. When we have guests on that are outside of the racing world and, and, <laughs> and we're able to ask questions, it's always fun to ask them what their first car was because most of us had a piece of crap. And that's a good one. The driving experience is always fun to like. Some people really are not good drivers. Not good no, drivers. They're oh, not good. Yeah, yeah. That, so that's that would be me. That's why he's here. I would qualify. Wow. Oh. Shut up. Wow, we've right. like right. two within cool. maybe I'm trying two to make minutes. sure that you're ready. Cool. I'm trying to make sure that you're ready. I'm ready. Okay, oh, I'm fire away. Let's go. You like my shoes? I, I went and got a new pair just for you. What are those Brooks? Yeah, those are Brooks. Brooks. Yeah, he yeah. was he was educating me on his socks too. Those are earlier. not shoes. These those these, are those are more like slippers. No, these are the NASCAR. Crocs, these are the NASCAR bro. Crocs. Yeah. Okay, that doesn't make them. That doesn't make them not Crocs. It does. <laughs> they're make, still Crocs. It makes them awesome though. They're, they're fast. We're we're definitely from two different generations. Oh. Maybe three apart. Yeah. Yeah. Probably. I'm probably you, old enough to be your grandpa. You said you were How old here are you? for the cool factor. I'll be 32. 32. Oh, I'm not. Okay. You're older than I thought you were. <laughs> I look good, huh? Yeah. Look, look good for look 32. Look good for 32. But anyway. Uh, it's going to be fun, guys. I'm really excited. And you talked about it. The fact that we get to do a deep dive into racing, which, of course, our biggest race of the whole year just happened over the weekend. Great American Race, Daytona 500. Your first race in the booth, I might add, for the 500, which... How was it? I it, mean, was, was it, it was it was it was way more intense than I thought it was going to be. And we got to the duels, and the worst part for me is the lineup. I stress out more about the lineup and reading the lineup <laughs> than I do anything else. And and for whatever reason, that's the most structured part of the whole show. Um, and on race day, my compadre Clint Boyer came in drinking a Red Bull, and I'm like, oh my god, he does we, not need that. We are completely screwed here because of the fact <laughs> right. this guy is already super hyper, and now he's. By the time we got through the opening segment, I had to tell him, I said, dude, you got to, you got to back that up. That was funny. Get he out of my space. Out he was literally standing right here speaking to Mike. And <laughs> yeah. I'm like, I'm here, buddy. I'm here. Imagine back up that. And, and please just stay in your space. So he gets excited. He does get excited. over into your space. On a Red Bull. Exactly. I, I feel for you. Got to keep yeah. him in his lane. But it was good. Um, Clint and Mike and, and really everybody have been super helpful in, in everything that, that has happened and gone on. We've sat on 270 uh, Zoom calls and meetings that, that we've been <laughs> into so far. So if we didn't have it down by the time we got on, on the air, yeah. uh, we, were, we were in big trouble. So yes. it went, I, thought it, I thought it went well. I mean, obviously, there are a lot of things that, that need to get better at and, and understand. But for the most part, I think it went, I think it went pretty smooth. Yeah, you were great. You did a great job. Yeah, I thought, I thought Grandpa moment. did a Calling good job for his grandpa. For, <laughs> well, at one point I heard you saying like you could sense this sensation of speed through the cameras and stuff. And it's just interesting when you've obviously been in the driver's seat all those years for that race to be on the other side yeah. of the glass. 
I did get tired after at the end of the second stage. So you did. Maybe, maybe he's right. Maybe I'm just kidding. He called me grandpa. So, um, but the red it was a it was a different rush. Yeah. For for me, I still when you hear the pre race and you hear everything that that comes with um, what they put together and the excitement that goes with everything that that is going on the air and you realize like I got I kind of got. I kind of got jacked up. It made the hair stand up on my arms. And then go. we came on the air and I was pretty, pretty pumped up to be there. And and when they were coming to the green flag and the crowd stands up yeah. and you're able to to feel that feeling of, of the a crowd being excited. And all of a sudden the cars start to go through the gears and you feel the roar of the cars and the, the pitch of the engine start to pick up and then they come by. And to me, the, the coolest, one of the coolest parts is the first lap after the restarts when the cars are all still really packed yeah. up and they're all hundred percent throttle and, and really going yeah um that when that pack comes by like you could feel the ground rumbling and people uh you know the cars coming before they even get there and then they go by and it's like um, so <laughs> well, was that, can you give me that one I more time that, i practiced that my whole life yeah <laughs> yeah i can't i could only i could only do it on the fly i can't, <laughs> I can't like do it on I, I have a i have an 11 year old i have a 11 year old boy so you got to be able to make some All race car sounds, sounds. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's right. true I, I watched it i so i watched pre-race from the ground yeah and the Thunderbirds, I think they're getting lower and lower. Oh, for like, sure. I think they're trying to ring the bell at the tower because they are <laughs> rolling. You can see dust. It feels like dust is flying around when they go by. It's badass. There's yeah. nothing quite like it. Here it is. Obviously, very cool part of the pre-race and all the pomp and circumstance. You were out there for your other job, Chief Hype. Right? Yeah, yeah. The crowd looked awesome, we're, even though it was Monday. It was right? a great It was crowd. packed, right? It was, awesome it was packed out. I'd say 85% easily, wow, if that's not awesome. 90%. Who is the so. biggest dork that walked across the stage this week? <laughs> it used to be you, so. Oh, Thank man. You. Yeah. You had to get one in there yeah. to you because you you're two hey, for that's one. Fair. Um, that's fair. I, honestly, I, I didn't do the driver intro, so I wasn't up there. So I can't even give a dig at anybody. I didn't know what they were doing. Well, that's unfortunate. Oh. I was pre going to start this week? I start in Phoenix. In Phoenix. Yeah, sorry, in Phoenix. We should start making okay. that like a segment, though. Every week, we're yeah. like, who was the dork this week? Yeah. I'll give you— uh, I'll, Every yeah. week, we expect to check in on the dork scale. Did you go? Did you go find any good spots? Anything Fans. fun? Anything fun? Yeah. Yeah, we did a, we did a surprise uh, in the campground. So, we took—it was me and Holsevar. And okay. we were bouncing around. And they don't know where to go, right? Like, Holsevar is not—they don't know where the fun spots are. Yeah. I've been to Daytona for a little while. Yeah. So, we took them to, you know— the Red 38 lot, which is a nice, nice little bar. They have like started with one, cool. uh, one slot. Now they got three. And then there was a tiki bar over in turn three and four. A tiki bar. Yeah. Yeah. It was cool. They, I, I made, <laughs> I went from the TV compound to the booth to the infield. TV compound to the booth Dang. to the infield. You missed out, man. Yeah. I know. These, listen, these guys, over. these guys rented four U-Haul vans and, uh, attached this like wood on top to make a stage. And then they were like sleeping in them and wow, uh, up mattresses. Did you go to Ocean Deck? I didn't go to Ocean Classic Deck. Classic spot. That's where you almost Deck. broke my nose. I know. You, yeah. Wait, I'm sorry. What? You almost <laughs> broke her nose? It was purely accent. It, it was, was actually pretty accident. funny. Oh, sure. I, I had a hat on. It was a flat brim. He like tapped you know it you down. Flip your he buddy's flipped hat. it down just to like say hey to me, but it hit it just right and starts bleeding. I'm like, um, <laughs> purely an accident. Kevin's gonna have to Pure pay accident. for a nose job. Yeah. <laughs> Unreal. Real nice guy. Sometimes Classic. I don't know my own strength. Classic. Like, what do you guys tell me? Old man strength. Old man, Old strength. man strength. Yeah, once you hit yeah. 40, it changes. I got you. You just get stronger. Yeah, for no reason. You don't look strong, you're just strong. Yeah, for no reason. <laughs> Thank you. We, yeah. we heard he had an active weekend on Raya or whatever. Yeah, well, before the show, I, I, I really didn't understand that uh, there was a thing called Raya that exists. So, uh, but I'm, I'm, I'm happy to use that. Did you, have you used Tinder? Because that was the only thing that I knew that was relevant to Raya. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, look. So yeah. did you did you find a date? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, it was uh it was a good I mean, we had a lot of downtime. So uh when uh we went to dinner, um this nice uh hibachi spot. Oh. And uh it was good. And so are you looking for another date or is that was that Listen, just, Kev. Was that one Listen, or two Kev. dates or can is it okay to have <laughs> Have we? Do we like click a box on Raya? Listen, that says, Kev, we're gonna date multiple people. I know that you. I know that you have been out of the game for, but um, you know, this is just casual. We're just we're just seeing who's out there, That's you know, funny. and okay, trying to make new connections. So is, this a, is this a 
is this a one-sided agreement? Is this how you understand the agreement, or is this a mutual thing that everybody's talked about? I mean, I think both parties. I think both parties know like what's going on. What's okay. going on. Okay. Like, okay. I'm a very classic man, you know. I'm a classic, you know, classic okay. guy. Well, I'm glad. Well, let's you, talk race. Yeah, let's talk race. Yeah. I'm glad you guys had fun out there. Uh, William Byron yeah. had a lot of fun, and what a cool driver to watch the evolution of his career. Right? He said it post race. Like I started out doing i racing. We saw what he was able to do in trucks. Now he's that guy. Yeah. Every week he's and. And, and the, for those of you that don't know about William Byron, William Byron was learned how to race on iRacing. And iRacing is is obviously way more realistic than than what it ever has been. And, and the folks at iRacing do a great job. But going from iRacing to legend cars to late models, all the way through the truck series and Xfinity series and cup series, that, that's been William Byron's progression. Most kids start in go-karts and legend cars, but uh, William comes from a great family. Yes. His dad is a is a very intelligent man that is is very sharp with with everything and very calculated with everything that he does. Um, and he put William in a lot of great spots. But William is a is a hardworking kid. Yeah. And I talked to Rudy Fugel at at um, at the clash and and to I asked him I said, do you realize how fortunate you are to have a kid like William Byron that works as hard as he does at everything that he does because there are not. It's not that way for for everybody in the garage, and I, I think William's work ethic and the people that uh, he has around him with his family and Rick Hendrick and Rudy and all the the people at, at Hendrick Motorsports, he's just he's just blossoming right in front of our eyes. Right. Uh, you look at last year; he won six races. Uh, comes out of this out this year, wins the Daytona 500, and I think he's going to have another year where he wins five, six, seven races. Uh, and, and because I, I just, I don't see them being any weaker than, than they were last year. They don't have a body change. They don't have to worry about the balance of the car. They, they could win, they could win a handful of races pretty quick, uh, in, in the first part of the year. To your point with Rudy Fugel, they were paired together when he had all that success in the Craftsman Truck Series. Yep. And that chemistry is is so solid between the two of them. And, and what Kevin was saying, they pretty much picked up right where they left off last season. Are they already, what do you say? Favorite for the yeah on there to the championship. I would I would definitely have the twenty four in your final four, and usually I don't like to pick that that early, but like he's 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 different. He he's ready. Like Max uh, Pappas, I used to work at MPI, and Max told me a couple years ago that there was a switch that had been changed. He was ready to make that jump, and last year we saw it was the six wins. This year he's starting out with a five hundred win. He has a little bit of swagger. Mm-hmm. Like he's got he he's got that, that twenty four <laughs> swagger. I told him we texted last night. I said, "Man, congratulations!" He said, "Unreal." I can't believe it. I said, "I can." I said, "Dude, you're 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 worthy of the car number." Like, yeah. right. like because it's different, right? The iconic numbers you kind of got to grow into. Like, obviously, Kevin, you you taking over the Goodwrench Chevrolet is kind of a similar situation. Right. So, like, it's a little bit of imposter syndrome, I'm sure, for a little bit, and then now he's kind of there. So. Well, and and the one thing that I find really interesting about all of a lot of these young kids, and and you've heard Bubba talk about it, you've heard Blaney talk about it, I haven't heard William talk about it, but is the confidence? Mm-hmm. They talk about the lack of confidence, and and you you when I go back and and think about just the the magnitude of things that happen in this sport, and and the things that you experience, and the pressure that is put on you. I was twenty five when I started. A lot of these kids are. 19, 20 years old when, when they're getting into the, into the cup series. And you just, you can't explain to people what it's like to have to experience the week to week pressure of trying to make your car go fast. The, the questions that come when the performance isn't good, or you make a mistake and, and being able to let that go is, is something that I really see in, in William, uh, because of the fact that I think he's matured, but I also think he's not dwelling on what somebody says, what, what a situation that has happened. Yep. Um, if you make a mistake, just move on and go to the next week. Um, because by the time you get to Monday, you have to be working on next week in order to be prepared. And, and if you're dwelling on something that a reporter said or uh, something that a competitor said, sure, you want to have as few problems as possible because of the fact that you don't want to be fighting battles all the way through the year. And that's not William's nature, but I think it was almost the opposite with him. I think he needed to be a little more aggressive and stand his ground. Yeah. But I think he's comfortable with all of, all of that. And I, you can hear it when he talks. Uh, Chase Elliott, same thing this weekend. When I heard him go into an interview this weekend, I'm like, oh, 
It's a little he, different. He he's ready for the year. He the way he speaks and his demeanor and the way that he talks and how comfortable he looked, it felt like Chase Elliott was ready. But that's what I see in William. And and I think as Chase Elliott said in in his interview, uh, I think William is in that equation and conversation every single week, no matter the racetrack, of being able to win there. What's interesting about William, too, is I feel like he's been like that for a while. I remember when I was pit road reporting for trucks and they had their engine expire at Talladega and it took them out of the championship hunt. Right? Yeah. Talladega. Such a heartbreak for him. But even when he was so much younger, he already handled the media so well, the setback so well. Like he's already had that mentality. And I do think it, a lot of it goes back to the people around you, his mom and dad, his friends, his core group of people that surround him. So William Byron, he might be the guy once again this year. And the crazy so, part, the crazy part about this Daytona 500, yeah, William, William and, and, and Alex Bowman were in the mix. Mm-hmm. Um, but really those two guys them getting together and causing the wreck, that was really what wiped out all the cars. Those guys actually made it through the wreck and were able to to put themselves in a better position once all the cars were wiped out because they made it through there and and were able to 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 win the race and, and capitalize on it. But that's how those that's how these speedway races are now. Joey Logano controlled the race mm-hmm. all day. I felt like he was in control most of the day of of doing what he needed to do for his particular team and Ford and um no matter where they were, he found his way back to the front. They were able to position themselves to save gas. That all, that all changed like that. And he was running second, third. Yeah. And um, so we, we saw it happen throughout the duels. We saw it happen at the beginning of the race. We saw it in different situations. And, and when you get down to the end of the Daytona 500, there isn't anybody who cares about anything. They're all going to do whatever they have to do to try to win. And they don't care about wiping their car out. They don't care about wiping the next guy out. And the pushes just kept getting harder and harder and harder. And as soon as those cars become misaligned a little bit, yeah. they it starts to, when those big pushes like that need to, need, that shoves them off and, and off so, they go. So I thought something was funny. Uh, Logano was controlling the race. Todd Gillen was on the bottom. So Logano felt like they were both in a good spot. And Todd moves to the top. Like, I don't keys up the radio. And he's like, what is he doing? Like, he got mad at Todd for moving to the top. And I think that's funny. Like, as a, when you were younger, and I feel like the way you guys control the races now is different Very than it different. was before. Like, before, I felt like Super Speedway, you guys were just, like, kind of going. And yep. no one really had a real strategy, except maybe Earnhardt did. And that was about it. But, like, now it's like, no, I want to control this yeah. because I want to yeah. do this. Yeah, and and what happened in that particular moment with, with Joey and Todd Gillen was— you know, Joey felt like they were controlling the the throttle the throttle position and and the saving at that particular point because they had everything had everything jammed up on the radio uh, during the broadcast. Todd said, "I wanted to move up because I felt like I couldn't trust any of the guys behind me, and I needed to put myself in a position where they weren't going to put me three wide." Yep. And Joey didn't really have all that information, but I agree with Todd. They weren't going to put him three wide when he was in the top, and and it wound up it wound up being. Um, everybody together there on, from the Ford camp to be able to put themselves in a position to still do the same thing. But Joey was not in control. Yeah, yeah. He, I feel like they like being in control. Yeah. So we saw a number of big wrecks, the one towards the tail end of the race being the biggest of the day. What goes through your mind? Like, can you feel it when it's about to go down, when these accidents are like on the precipice of happening, when you're in the car? Can you sense it? Okay. First off, I don't know that I don't know that we should use uh, those words uh, with the with the intelligence level of these two up on the stage. Precipice. Right? That's, that's Precipice. A, that's, a, that's a that's a pretty big word for Is me. Is that an SAT word? Don't act like you know. I know exactly what it means. <laughs> yeah, like on the edge, on the right edge. there. It's like right there. I got it. But <laughs> listen, I'm educated, just, California. Calm down. I, had, I just never. I had just. All right, never but heard you get what I'm asking. <laughs> yeah. What do you yeah. say? Do you spell it? <laughs> no. <laughs> It sounds like a dinosaur. <laughs> That's what it sounds like. It does, actually. Like I'll never think of that word yeah. the same. So, um, I, I've lost my train of thought here. What okay. were we? I was, th- I was trying to ask you if in those moments we were just looking at that big yes. accident towards the Yeah, so, so at, at the end, you, you, you definitely could feel that it was just a matter of when it was going to happen. They were three wide, pushing and shoving, and, and you just didn't know when it was actually going to happen. They tried... They tried several times uh, as as we led up to the actual wreck itself, but I think it wiped out eighteen cars. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of the good cars that that were up in the front, and and there was actually eighteen was actually probably a lower number than it looked like on television because uh, we we had multiple in car cameras and a lot of big shots. Mm-hmm. And and when you look at these in car shots and you 
you see the driver's head start to whip forward. A lot of the bigger shots come from getting hit from from the back of the car and the whiplash that that actually comes with the the rear impact. But man, there were some some Hard big hits. big hits. Yeah, some sore sore bodies. Yeah, and the sorest one is going to be Ryan Blaney. Yeah, oh, for sure. When, when you when you look at Ryan Blaney, he he had two massive shots. Uh, he had one that was. The one in the duels was 55 G's, mm-hmm. um, right front, almost head on. And and then you look in, in the race, he had another big shot. So Ryan Blaney cannot wait for Daytona. to. He could not wait to, to leave, leave out of that Daytona tunnel <laughs> yeah. because he he had a bad week. He did win a stage, um, had two massive wrecks, mad at his feisty team. Feisty on the radio. Yeah, very, <laughs> very, very, feisty. very feisty on the radio. He was not happy at all with Austin Sendrick. And he point blank said, I am not helping my teammates anymore. And the first chance he got, and he went right by Austin Sendrick to to win the stage. So uh, he was he was definitely feisty on the radio. I haven't I haven't been around this as much as you guys. That really surprises me how feisty he is on the radio. He yeah. is a right out of the gate. gangster on the radio, yeah. especially like, like why recently. is he so mad already? He just yeah. seems like, he's, like, he's just like uh, he's just like ready to go, and he's just mad. I think he feels like. He's the guy now. Like, he's the mm-hmm. champ, right? He's the reigning yeah. champ. So, I feel like he feels more confident in all this stuff and he knows what he wants. And the guys around him, like, don't give him the respect that he, I think he feels. Yeah, like. and, and Timmy Fidoa is my old spot. Yeah, so he's okay with that. <laughs> I would yell every once in a while, but I didn't yell much on, on the radio. I did not really? yell. Not not in the not in the SHR days. But uh, okay, I had very, not in SHR, yeah. Yeah, SHR, <laughs> days were, SHR days were pretty mellow for Timmy. So, that, you know… Timmy Fidua is Ryan Blaney's new spotter. So yeah. he, there is definitely a, a period there to where they're having to get to know each other. But they got to know each other a lot better this week. They sure did. On the flip side of that, we're talking about Ryan Blaney being fired up. Kyle Busch, shockingly not. What yes. did you think about his day, even with some hardships thrown into the mix? Yeah, and Kyle Busch, I found this out in my interview, which which you'll see on on Thursday uh, w- with Kyle Busch. When, when we did that interview on Thursday, it was very mellow. And that carried over to the radio this weekend. He was, even after he wrecked in the duels, his interview, he didn't get, he wasn't short. He was mad, you could tell, but he gave an interview, stayed calm and didn't, didn't get defensive or mad or just act like a baby. 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 Do you know that word? Like <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I can even spell that one. Uh, so, um, but during the during the duels after the duels, I I told Clint and Mike I said Wow that was I was surprised yeah and mm-hmm. that was very much just like the interview that I did with Kyle before the season started which was great and when he when he had everything happen in the five hundred I think he knew how fast his car was because mm-hmm. Kyle Busch had one of the best best cars all day he yeah. was able to drive from the back every time they screwed something up and drive back to the front and was in contention late before everything everything went down but his his last um, pit stop that that he had the wheel almost fall off. Mm-hmm. Going through and staying calm in that particular moment, the wheel didn't come off. There were no penalties. He got back to pit road and got got right back into into the front. And I I think that will, I think that'll pay dividends for Kyle as he goes Absolutely. through the year. If, if he can maintain yeah that demeanor that be and, and be the, be the leader of of that particular team and and use his skills to to be beneficial like he needs to, he's he's going to be successful this year. I wanted to ask you guys about a very familiar face that was out there this weekend, of course, Jimmy Johnson and the duels and the emotions nope. of his day and his daughter was there, of course. What'd you guys think about that? Man. I felt I, bad I, for him. I'll yeah, tell you that. It was, so Jimmy Johnson was not in the race. He was, he had to race his way into the field. So there were four cars that had to race their way into the field and, and he was, he had to beat one of the cars in the race in, in the, in the qualifying race. And, Coming to the end of pit road, from the end of pit road to the start finish line, he made the race because up until that point, he was out of the race. He had a spin earlier in the race, had to come to pit road, got behind, and some things happened at the end that that put him in a position to to not be qualified. And, and he made that up from in a very short amount of time. But when he got out of that car, I saw things out of Jimmy Johnson <laughs> I have never seen before because he has experienced uh, seven championships and been on the winning side of a, a number of things able to overcome adversity because he knew everything that was behind him, everything that's going on. Now, flip side. He's on the flip side of things as the on the team ownership side, responsible for all these sponsors and you heard it in his interview after the race that he was thinking, "Oh my god, I got to go up to these suites and I got to stand in front of all these people and I got to tell them why 
we did not make the biggest race of the year at the Daytona 500 after we've just told them how great we were. But that 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 didn't shock me the most. The thing that shocked me the most was the emotion, and just you could tell that that the anxiety of of the situation. And and he had a tough time talking. And and to um, to see that emotion out of Jimmy Johnson was something that I we hadn't all seen, seen yeah. before. Yeah. yeah. And he's in a he's in a much different position. He was he went away to to race Indy cars and. Uh, tried to learn something new there. Now he's come back on the team ownership side, having to learn on the on the business side of things, and for some reason got back in the race car uh, to be able to go out there and and learn a new car. Um, yes. So yeah. it's like uh, he he is all about the challenge and stepping outside of that box to to do things that are just not supposed to be done. I just want him to have a clean weekend. Yes. Right? Like when he ran Coda, wasn't clean. Yeah. Last year, like he got three laps, I think, or lap one, and they broke something, and that was it. Yeah, like I would like to, for him to be able to just go through a weekend and compete and do all the things and see what happens. That's going to be difficult. That that is going to be extremely difficult for him to do because it, uh, he's got eight races this year. Most of them are road courses. Yeah, he's got eight mm-hmm. races this year, and with this particular car, it's about rhythm. Like you have to understand the, the weekly progression mm-hmm. of this car, get the reps, mm-hmm. get the feel. You have to be able to feel this car because it'll step out and bite you in a hurry and you won't even know what happened. It'll, it'll spin out and, and you'll, you'll be thinking to yourself, what the hell just happened? I, I mean, I'm <laughs> backed into the fence and driving to pit road and flat for all the tires are flat. Um, <laughs> but it's a, it's a, it's a massively different car than, than what he drove before and had all the success in. You got to, You've got to retrain your brain. You've got to retrain your brain to be able to do the things that this particular car wants. So it's going to take a lot of time and not getting those reps on a weekly basis is going to put him at a disadvantage every time he gets in it. Last year, I went to Kevin's house to hang out for dinner and he was in his office. He had a table. No, no, not the Ricky Bobby house, the other house. (laughs) He had a desk that was about as wide as we are sitting here and had paper strewed all across. I'm like, what are you doing? He's like, Man, I got to do these notes. We got to get this car better. Studying is Ah, out of control. It's a full time job. Out of control. And and when you get your responsibility as a driver, I mean, you're you're a part of the equation. You're not the whole equation by any Mm -hmm. means, but you are really the the root of the equation to be able to say, hey, this this worked, that didn't work, and you have to be pretty precise about where the car is screwed up. Help them be able to pinpoint. um, You know, is it the rack quickness? Is it the air pressure? Is it the right rear spring? You know what exactly are you feeling here? Is that the balance of the race car? Because the 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 small increments that it takes to be successful with this particular car are much smaller than they used to be, and that all comes from communication and doing the things that it takes on a weekly basis. So that starts Sunday night or Monday morning with your notes that go directly to the crew chief. The conversations that happen in the competition meeting once you get your other teammates together. Um, you know, a lot of the manufacturers meet together and, and have those meetings and. By Wednesday, you're back in the simulator working on the next week and trying to figure out what you need in the car going forward in order to make the car run fast. So the process and the time that it takes to do all that, um, not doing it every week and leading with that progression every single week, huge disadvantage. Well, you mentioned the preparation for the drivers. Up next is Atlanta. Daytona 500 is over. We're moving on to the next race. No stranger to victory lane there for you, yeah. Kevin. Well, this is, um, you know, Atlanta for me has been obviously a, a place that is really special because it was my first win uh, when when Dale died in, in 2001. That was actually supposed to be the place that I made my Cup Series debut. Um, so we had tested there and, and practiced and done all the things in preparation for my first cup series attempt to, to start the race and, you know, going back there and, and being able to win our first race. And, and, um, so Atlanta has always been a pretty special place to me and, and really a, a career changer because that was a, that was one of those moments that could have been off the deep end bad right. for, for me if, if we didn't go out and perform because the, the, the new would have worn off pretty quick in that situation, no matter the circumstances, if you weren't weren't performing well. So to go out in our third start, win the race under those circumstances, I don't remember much. It was all very con- a confusing time because of the fact that you didn't know whether to get out of that car and be happy. You didn't know yeah. whether you should be sad. Um, but it was your first win. You're there with a team that you're just you're 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 fairly new with. I knew most of the guys because of the fact that I did a lot of the testing for Dale in 2000. So 
it was um, it was a very confusing time. Uh, the week before, my wife and I, uh, Delana, got married in in Las Vegas. That was on the documentary. Yeah. Did you yeah. know they got married in I Vegas? I didn't know. I didn't I either. Actually, didn't know you guys got married in Vegas. Because people yeah. always joke like, "Let's get married in Vegas." They actually. It did was a it. neutral site. I love that. <laughs> yeah, it was a neutral site. My family was from California. Her family liked going to the races. The team was already going to be there, and honestly, it worked out uh, to be really a, a kind of a healing moment for everybody on the team, everybody within RCR to be able to get away from North Carolina. Gathered together. Gathered yeah. together. We had the wedding. Um, everybody was together having a good time on a Wednesday uh, be- before the race weekend. So it got us out of North Carolina a couple days sooner than than we were supposed to be there. And really, um, that was and that was the first weekend that I got my first top 10. <laughs> and we came home and, and won the next week. So there were a lot of things that were already planned. And the wedding was just one of those moments. How, how old are you then? How old is 25. It? Okay. Wow. So 25. at 25, you step into that, right? I think of like the guys now, like the Harrisons and the Todd Gillens. They're so young. You got to, they're going from being kids to leading a group of men because you are the driver. Like this right. thing runs off of you. It's like being the quarterback of your franchise, a franchise player. Like that's, and this that's was be, so much heavier yeah, that's for other that's reasons. A lot, like, yeah. To step into it that. was, but I mean, there's still a lot of pressure on the on the on the drivers today and the, and the young kids that that come into the sport because it's it's much more it's much more in depth from a from a preparation standpoint, from a pressure standpoint, and it's much more public. Everything you do is much more public than it used yeah. to be from a social media standpoint during the week. Right, you're you're expected to document the things that you do and talk about the things that you got to do different things than what we had to do then. And we hid most of 2001. We hid from everything because we were still racing the Bush series at the time. So we were able to go test the Bush series car. We were able to go test the cup series car. We were going to do tire tests. We were going early to the racetrack to be able to get in the Bush car, to get in the cup car, whatever it was. We spent the majority of the time in the race car my first year. And I felt like they just let us get away with it. We were able to not do a ton of appearances, not have to be exploited because we were already being exploited enough. I'd get, I got home from Atlanta and learned really quickly that life had changed when (laughs) I had a yard full of people waiting for you to drive into your driveway at your house. Very strange. So, (laughs) you know, I think that the, 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 the magnitude of, of the things that were happening at that time were higher. But it's a it's it's just different now. It, sure, it's not as popular as it as it was then. But it's a different it's a different kind of popular now yeah. with with social media and all the all the things that that come with all the exposure that that you get. But it's a lot of pressure to to be able to to put on on these young young kids and when they are able to get all the things that they've always wanted, whether it's money and you don't you don't even have to go on on. Yeah, Raya. Raya. You don't have to go on Raya anymore Raya. to get a date. Um, there are a lot of things that that Listen, just cu- that I just happen naturally I for a race car driver. Have to go on Raya. <laughs> it's just Raya a nice place to go. Okay, it's a, it's a nice I got you. Yeah. So, they, but my point is, they've got everything in front of them that they yes. that they need, everything that they've always yeah. wanted, and sometimes they lose focus of why they got there and how they got there, and they work, 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 and then they get to that prize and win a race, and all of a sudden they disappear for a few months or six months or a year. And because of the fact that they're focused on everything that they shouldn't be focused on, but it's a, it's a, it's a dedication to be able to go and say, I'm going to be committed to this team and I'm going to do all the things that I'm supposed to do and not have fun because that's just not what a 22 year old kid is, is going to do. Right. Yeah. So you got that win, then you got two more at Atlanta. How were you able to just seem to mesh with that place? What was it about it that you liked well, it, or that it came to It took to a you? long time to get that second win, uh, but Atlanta was always a place that we dominated uh, in, in the cup car and bush car, Xfinity car for a long time. Um, really, no matter what we drove, it was always a race where we led a lot of laps and it always seemed like there was just this weird late race caution that would come out and we would wind up <laughs> losing the race. So, from 2001 to 2018, I never won another cup race there. I mean, think about that. I mean, think about how many cup races we led at that particular <laughs> yeah, racetrack and how wild. many laps that we led. And we didn't win a race for 17 years. <laughs> and then we go back in 2018. It was fun to be able to go and go back to Atlanta and win and enjoy it and remember some of the the memories that came with, with 2001 and be able to actually enjoy driving to Victory Lane and driving around the track backwards and thinking about back to 2001 and 
then we won again in, in, in 2020. So it's been, uh, you can't, you can't take that first away. It's, it's yeah. always that, that first win is, is, is the, is the only time you'll ever do that. And it happened to come under some pretty extreme circumstances. I don't think the Harvick line applies anymore. What's that? The Harvick line, your line around no. Atlanta does not apply anymore. So you think it's different. Yeah. I think it's a little different. Yeah. Now. It's a little different. It's Tell about, us why. <laughs> well, I mean, the track's different, mm. Kevin. You know, so why would, you know, you're older, it's new. It's, it doesn't yeah. mesh. Yeah. No, it's, <laughs> it's drastically different. We race with our super speedway package. So everything that you saw at Daytona last week. Replicate it. And, and it's similar. just, it's, uh, it's on fast forward. It's quicker, right? Yeah. It's way quicker. Yeah. This is the most intense thing I've ever done in, in a, in a race car in recent years. Because everything at, at Atlanta now happens at a super high rate of speed. The cars are not comfortable to drive. They feel like they're up on top of the racetrack. You have to race in a pack. Um, you have to take as much speed out of the car, put as much speed in the car as possible, and still make it handle. We talk about having a little bit of handling at Daytona. You better have a lot of handling at, at Atlanta because there's bumps. Um, you're up on top of the racetrack. The cars not feeling good at, at any point. And it's just a, it's a, it's a weird place to drive. And and now they've added this super speedway element to go with it. And it just makes it extremely difficult. So do we think similar names rising to the occasion that we saw in Daytona for Atlanta this weekend? Is that who you're Yeah, did, William Byron has won on this package. Yep. Yep. I don't, and I would expect Bubba to be good. I would expect Blaney to be good. Um, I don't know if AJ is running, but he, he actually is running really well in the 500. So maybe a collie car for a surprise. I'd love to see Harrison Burton. I'd love to yeah, see Harrison after Daytona. after Daytona. He's been good at Super Speedways. I'd yeah. And the one thing that I want to have the questions answered to is how is the, the new Toyota body and the new Dark Horse, the Ford Dark Horse going to handle, right? They had a body change, complete body change over the off season. Chevrolets don't have to, they have a, a good building block for the balance of their race cars and what they had last year. So I think the Fords and the, and the, and the Toyotas will probably start and go off the data that they have to be able to say, Hey, let's, let's start here based upon what we did last year. And based upon the new data that we have this year, we think we should be able to get away with this much speed and this much handling. But if they miss, it's going to hey, be a long day. Hold on, boys. You are holding on. Uh, I mean, last year, I, I was just cruising along, <laughs> leading the race. <laughs> Everything's good. Ross Chastain's just give me a little bumps here and there. And I just spun out. He got right to the back bumper of the car and it just lost the back of the race car and, and spun out. So that's just how edgy that, that the cars are there. Wow. So th those two cars, those two brands... They, they definitely are hoping that the, the balance and, and all the data that they have is pretty close because if not, it's a, it's a hang on boys type situation. So with that, I, I think that the 24 car, the five 48, some of the Chevrolets that, that were successful there last year, I look for them to be, to be strong again this year. Ross was, was obviously at the, at the front of the race uh, last year as well. So in, in the first one anyway, so it's, um it'll be interesting. And I know that I am, Really excited to be standing in the booth watching those maniacs <laughs> go around the racetrack. That play, it's, I feel like everyone's like happy that we're doing back-to-back -back East Coast races. Yeah, now. like that's really nice for everybody to kind of get in the season. Regroup, yeah. but it's also back-to-back -back super speedway races. Yeah. <laughs> it's like a oh, god guy like Blaney's like, oh my god, are you kidding yeah. me? <laughs> I only have four cars left. Um, so, and that's what his team's thinking as well. Um, so, yeah, and and those are those are big hits. There's a lot of guys yeah. that took big hits, and and. Odds are, there's a. I always said it was a 50 50 uh, scenario. You were either going to have a good day or you're going to hit something. Yeah. So, same odds Two apply options. this week. So, you good you day got, or hit something. Yeah, yeah. you got Clint, good day, good day or hit something. Clint said he always had to trick himself into thinking he was going to win the race. That's, trick what told, that's what he told him in the booth. He's like, I just told myself I was going to win. It was going to be fine. <laughs> yeah. Well, that didn't work out. <laughs> didn't work. It, didn't work, it worked great. Me. I mean, a few times, it but worked. for the most part, it didn't really, didn't really work that well. But um, <laughs> it was an interesting comment that he made. I just had to trick myself. And sometimes, sometimes Mike and I look at it as, at each other and we're like, I'm, okay, all right. <laughs> Moving um, on. Yeah. So it's been awesome. Clint's awesome. Yeah, that's good. Yeah. That's good. So who's a dark horse pick? You said kind of the main ones you're watching. I'm gonna. Selected. I'm gonna. My dark horse is Corey LaJoy. Ah, I, he he, I he ran well there last year. He led laps, kind of crashed, was Almost in the mix won. there at the end. Yeah. Almost won at the end. Had a great run at at Daytona this week and and raced in the front. And I think that, I think they're hungry. And mm -hmm. you know, I think that they have the cars to be able to compete and do what they need to do with the experience and everything that they've had 
in those moments last year. So, uh, but these super speedway races are unpredictable. Everybody, they're unpredictable, and that's why everybody thinks that they can be successful at them. Right. So it'll be interesting. I would whoever came through this week without a bunch of damage. I would. <laughs> That's where I would start my list, <laughs> so they can use some of the same stuff. <laughs> Corey, for sure, though he, he he's you know, and I think Chase. I feel like Chase he won in this package against Corey, so I feel like he's trying to win again in Georgia. So well, hopefully he wins. Oh, yeah. it. Hopefully, hopefully he win. wins in a week that is um, somewhat easy for me, so that we can when we go to the the Dawsonville pool, pool room, room there. Um, this would be the easiest one. I this yeah. would be yeah. Siren. Let's let's make that easy, Chase. If you if you're listening, just just. Figure that out so it's easy travel. So we're not going like West Coast, East Coast. Yeah. So Wait, how about yeah. Clint was like, I want to ring the bell. Yeah. And I was like, what, what bell? Dork. <laughs> what a dork, man. We're ripping on him. That's hard a, today. As Larry Mack would say, that's a siren. It's a siren. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone's bell. taking shots. Yeah. <laughs> Getting strays out here from everybody. That's right. That's good. Well, we'll have to see how all these uh, early predictions fare when we get you out don't to Atlanta. Well, I was going to say Corey LaJoy well, too. For it's okay. We can agree. It's all yeah, right. yeah, yeah, it's not a debate show. I would think I would show. think twice yeah. if I would think twice if you would agree with with him. With, I, I'm with definitely Mamba. not going to disagree with you. Okay, I good. It's best I, I, see how, I see how this deal is going to work here now. <laughs> like, what do you mean? No, it's okay. I'm, I thought we were You're like cool, the punching bag. Yeah, yeah, it's okay. He, yep. You know, he got the Raya joke. Everybody take their shot. Yeah, everyone come on with it. Is it Raya? Raya. Raya. Yeah. Okay. Only special people can be spelled as well. How do you spell that? R a y a. I can spell baby, but I R a y a. Yeah. Raya. Yeah. Got All it. right. Yeah. Well, it's now it's your turn to take over. I know. And tell us all your social media discoveries. So over you the stayed weekend. there the whole time. Yeah. Uh, you didn't go yeah. home early. You've been no. out there for well, like define going home early. I'm just kidding. Because I was I'm on. Just I wanted to make sure I could beat you to the studio, <laughs> and I still didn't do that. Yeah. But. You're gonna have a hard time beating me. Uh, Are yeah. you always early? Usually, kind of like prompt. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well. I'm going to work yeah. on that. I have to use spell checks. He runs so a tight a ship longer. around here. A tight yeah. ship. That's right. <laughs> so I did get home. I watched the Xfinity race. But uh, one of the things that I on social this week yes, that I loved, Kevin, you, I, after you've been ripping me for about an hour, I'm going to give you a compliment. I love it. Come on. <laughs> Unfortunately. <laughs> give it to me. You, you, you actually looked cool this weekend. Thank you. You looked very cool this weekend. <laughs> Which part was it? Was it my shoes? It was the, the fighter helmet. Oh, yeah, yeah. Was, yeah. Somebody cue the Top Gun music, please. Yeah. It's a maverick. Uh, yeah, you were looking solid. Was it with my shield? Did shield you like down. It no, shield, shield down. down. Yeah, I figured that was. <laughs> yeah, I, don't, I, I definitely look way. I, that way could be, honestly, it could down. be anyone. That might not be Kevin. Is that why it looks that, cool? Because we don't know for sure who's under there. Yeah. Well, <laughs> it's Kevin. It was the, I flew with the Thunderbirds this weekend yeah. or on Friday. And it was one of the most physically intense activities that I've ever done. We That's got to the end something. of the runway. Yeah, we got to the end of the runway <laughs> and the pilot's like, all right, are you ready? And I said, I'm Is that ready. how he said it? Yeah. All right. <laughs> but we have the whole thing on video. Okay. So, all right, uh, we are going and uh, okay, we are half throttle and we're like, we we take off and it's like, whoop, whoop. We just pop off the ground. I'm like, oh. <laughs> so, all right, we are full throttle. Okay. Uh, you're going to feel the afterburners and then it was three, two, one, breathe and straight up. I'm like, oh God. <laughs> oh I'm God. Holding, I'm holding my head up, holding my head up and I finally just go, oh. I just let it go. I couldn't hold my head up because the, the G's were, were so high that I, that I, couldn't, I couldn't literally hold my head up. I think I would get sick. Yeah. So from a scale from one to 10, the pucker factor was how high on that? Pucker factor was freaking high. Freaking, yeah. It was pretty, as high as it's ever been. That's how high the pucker factor was. We took off straight up. And then when we got to the top of the airspace, we did two twists and then we flew upside down. And then he's like, all right, uh, are you still with me back there, Kev? And oh. I said, yep, I'm, I'm still with you. Unreal. All right. We're going to fly down to uh, Cape Canaveral. And that took five minutes. So you get your <laughs> phone out and take some pictures. Oh. So I, I flew with, I actually flew uh, with with Zane Smith. So we got to do some some dog fights and, and he did his uh, his own thing. But I made it the whole time. I didn't throw up. Uh, we got to nine G's, which was, thank God we touched nine G's because I was like, stop, stop. I just couldn't talk loud enough for him <laughs> to hear me. Um, but that was, that was definitely, that was definitely a, a unique experience. I don't know that. We doing it I would, again? I would not sign up again. Uh, I, I, I would right. like to sign up. You would like would to sign like, up? Yeah. Okay, we're it, submitting If you get Mama's the opportunity, you should do it because it is a, it is a once in a lifetime experience. And they were great. 
everybody at the Thunderbirds was great. And, and I, the thing that I couldn't believe, they let me fly it. Is they let how you sensitive, fly? Yeah, how sensitive the joystick was. Oh, wow. And it was just, I mean, just really That's subtle movements. a lot movements. of pressure. But when it, when you, <laughs> when you, thing. when you nose down, turn it left, turn it right, it instantly does it. And it is never rough. It never, never any turbulence. Like it just does it. It's just Ooh. like a. I got to be honest. I don't think I want to fly that. No? So, no, I don't. I think. You I'm, think you get fine. sick? No, I just think that I feel like I might mess it up. Yeah. Oh, I for sure. Bad enough to where like maybe yeah. you can't bring it back. Yeah. And, <laughs> and then, he kept telling, he kept, the pilot kept telling me, he's like, hey, you're, you're going a little fast. Just back off. And, and I guess I was kind of just going downhill a little bit, <laughs> but I couldn't really tell. It's like, and when you start to get twisted and turning, it does it so easy. You, if you weren't hanging there, you couldn't, I couldn't really tell where the horizon was and where, what was happening. And because it just, it was so smooth and the way that things would happen, would happen so easy that I couldn't keep track of, of where I was or what I was doing. My head's flopping around. I'm trying to hold on. <laughs> Man, am I sick? Do I'm miserable. Am I, this, I don't yeah. know. I mean, you're not making a case all, for me to want to do this. No, but I mean, it's, it's so intense and, yeah. and you have such a lack of knowledge of, of what's actually happening. You're just sitting there and right. pretty, you don't, pretty. you don't have any idea how fast you're going because yeah. of the fact that until they turn and you feel the G forces. I'm definitely in, but. And not on the flying part. But speaking of dogfights, that wasn't a dogfight. Yeah. But in the truck race, uh, Raja Karuth had a run going and ends up crossing the rest of the field of wreck off of turn two. That was like wreck 27? Yeah, but this yeah. is the big one that ended it, right? And then after, social media saw Bubba and Raj having a conversation. Yeah. And it kind of reminded me of Travis Kelsey and uh, Andy, Andy Reid. And there's, yeah. there's Bubba and Raj Shatton. It reminded me of Travis Kelsey and Andy Reid talking on the sideline. Yeah. And then after, they're all good. You know what I mean? So I think this kind of got blown out of proportion a little bit because they're obviously boys. Uh, Bubba's like a mentor to, to Raj. But there's definitely a little bit of a moment there. And you have the backstory on this, that in fact, he was trying to kind of turn his body away from the cameras, right? Yeah, they were just like having a conversation that they normally have just when you finish in the top five yeah. cameras all around. Happy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he just turned it so no one could read their lips and they could have a little private conversation. Well, Raj is, is I mean, he was, he was happy. Yeah. yeah. Bubba was yeah. mad because he felt like he made just a dumb move, right? right. He, mm -hmm. he just let the truck come up and slam into the side of the other guy. But in all of their, all the truck driver's defense, I think it's time to just take a timeout. Let's take a timeout. Overhaul. We, we need to make the trucks easier to drive. Like those things Sketchy. are the edgiest, sketchiest things that are on the racetrack at all the super speedways because of the way that they pull up and how fast they pull up and the way that they handle. I don't know what the answer is to that, but there needs to be something done to the trucks to make them easier to drive and bump and do all the things that, that they need to do because they are the hardest vehicle to drive on the super speedways out of all three series. And, and those, those kids are, they don't care. They are mm -hmm. hammered down. They are not going to do whatever they have to do. And, and they're going to bump and they're going to try if they don't know how to do it, they're just going to try to do it. And, and I think they just, you know, they're, they're learning, which yeah. that's what the truck series is it's, for. But right. I think we could put them in a better, better, better vehicle and a better position to learn by having a vehicle that was, that drove better. Yeah. Even if it was slower, faster, more downforce, they have a ton of downforce, better shock springs, something, the combination is just, it needs to be different. So yeah. one of the other series was the Arkham and Arts, right? Yeah, yeah. So this is, this is, this is probably my favorite, this is probably my favorite thing that <laughs> happened on social all, all week. So Phil Parsons dials up uh, Andy Jokoyak. On the that, broadcast. On the broadcast. Yeah. Four to go. And Phil's like, hey, you know, you're running fourth or whatever, like around these Venerini cars, having a good run. Like, what do you think? You're just going to ride this one out and just kind of, you know, bring it home? Or what do you got? And Andy goes, <clears throat> and I quote, <laughs> I'm just going to put my foot on the floor and I'm not lifting until, until I see God or a checkered flag. End quote. Uh, nope. I'm just gonna put my foot on the floor and I'm not lifting till I see God or a checkered flag. My man. And that's exactly hurts. what he did. All the way down the back yeah. trench on the flat, on the last lap. So, the did he see God or the checkered flag first? <laughs> that's a good question. Okay. I think, he, he, I think he saw the checkered answer, flag man. first. I think some other people <laughs> might have seen God first. <laughs> but it was, it was the best quote and it needs to be on a t-shirt. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's the, that's the mentality of, of ARCA and trucks because a lot of people are just, they're going to Daytona and they don't, they don't care. They they want to go down there and, and win. And and I I still think 
at the end of the race, I, I still think with Ross, I, I, I saw that mentality, but I saw that from Ross. I saw that from William Byron. I saw that from Alex Bowman, Joey Logano, whoever it was, they were going to have that same mentality. Now, Ross, Ross takes it to a little bit different level. And, and when you go back and watch this race, I mean, he did an unbelievable job of blocking those lines at mm-hmm. the end with some pretty, pretty ballsy moves. I yes, mean, he, he, he did. Put him put that car in front of lines that were coming that were coming a lot faster than than he was going uh, at a high rate of speed. And at the end, he shot a gap, and there was one car coming up and one car coming down, and he hasn't lifted yet. <laughs> he listen, man, he had to because there was no one that was going to push the one car. He had no friends. Yeah, like because the Hendrick car was on the top, and then behind him was a was a Ford a Cendric. So like he had no friends. So he had to do it on his own. He, he was, was trying. On. He was on kill mode. We he know was, Ross Chastain is not afraid. Maverick. Maverick. He, he is not afraid. Down I love it. Time. Maverick. Uh, okay, so we're coming to the close of the show. I want to do last oh. call with you guys. What you're looking forward to, the week ahead, the, the upcoming race. What do you say for your last call there? Who wants to do the honors? I'll go, I'll go first. Okay. Yeah. Uh, last call. I am looking forward to, um, in this weekend, just who is going to show back up. Yes. Yeah. Just because we're... We don't normally go from speedway, super speedway, super speedway. So now this is new. So now who can double it up and, and put themselves in a position to win the race again? Yeah, yeah and I, I think one of the interesting parts about that is who's going to put themselves in a bigger hole? Because <laughs> yeah. having three completely demolished, like if Ryan Blaney goes and wrecks another car, you get seven cars. That's that's the total amount of cars that you get per number. So if you wreck three of them, well, guess what? We're going to go to the We're going to go to the West Coast for two weeks. So... It's uh, it could put the team in 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 quite a quite a situation, but um, you know, for for me, I I just I can't wait to watch this race because it is one of the most unique facilities that we go to now with the super speedway package and the new pavement mile and a half racetrack with the super speedway package is is something that just wasn't normal until Atlanta Motor Speedway did this. So uh, it's going to be an intense weekend, and I, I can't wait to see how it works out. Uh, we've got um, Kyle Busch interview. We're going to play the the whole Kyle Busch interview uh, this Thursday for you uh, on Kevin Harvick's happy hour. So that'll be a fun interview, and, and I think a lot of you will see exactly what I'm talking about with everything that we talked about with Kyle and just how calm he is, and, and it really came across well to me that that he was able to your friends now yeah absolutely so i love that yeah (laughs) we look forward to seeing that conversation of course first episode in the books guys this was a good one make sure you subscribe to us on youtube follow on facebook x instagram anywhere else you get your podcast follow us at harvick happy pod we'll see you next time